Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Hayden! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. And we've got a lot to get to this week on the podcast. We have Hell is Real, a... I guess it's kind of a weeknight. Hell is real. It's a Friday night. That's that's technically weekend, but it's it's a work day. I don't know. Whatever. We have a weird hell is real to discuss. We will do that. Uh, plus, I'll give you some thoughts on the new crew stadium or the LDC or the dot lower dot com field. Talk about all that. And uh, before we get to that, though, got to talk about the Euros Beamer, because I think there's two soccer hosts of a certain podcast who nailed the prediction last week on who was going to make it to the final. Which... Yeah, you could say those two soccer uh, soccer podcast hosts really went out on a limb and, you know, picked the two mighty underdogs in the tournament as well to get to the finals. You know, I mean, you could you could also say that, Bone. Yeah, you could. Some 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 might say that was uh, uh, not the hardest prediction to make, but here we are making obvious points and then gloating about them days later. That's what we do best. Hey, man, so, we did it in the quarterfinals, though. So I feel like that's pretty good. Well, like the you semi, know what? That's the semis fair. You're right. That's right. Yet, and that's we Because right. it was the days of the quarterfinals. So we did it on those days when there were still eight teams left. And we predicted the finals. And I'm pretty sure I haven't gone back and listened to the podcast. So maybe I picked Belgium. I have no idea. But I know for a fact that you yeah, picked Italy both, and England. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say I picked Italy and England as well. I think you picked well. Italy. Yeah, I think we both did because we talked about how the, like it stunk for uh, Belgium and Italy. Yeah. Well, and, and before that, we talked about how it stunk for um, which of the two teams? Oh, um, just the fact that England and Germany going back before that where we said it, England and Germany being in that game together, that stunk for them because whoever got out of that game was likely going to get to the final. Mm-hmm. And here it is. England won that game. And now they're in a, a first final. Yeah. Since in, 66. In, in, since they won the world cup. Yeah. So I can't blame the fans of England for constantly throwing it out there. But I personally am well over the it's coming home thing. Like, oh, I, am, I can't get enough of it. Really? Yeah. I can't. Get oh, I, I, I mean, it. I love it. I love it. So are you rooting for England, I guess, is where my next question would go. Because I, I got to say, I am firmly, and this is no offense, I have a buddy of mine who is a big England fan, my buddy Thomas. I feel for him, but I am rooting for Italy all the way here because I don't know. I just, I don't know why I'm rooting for Italy. I guess I just am because I feel like if England wins this, it ruins the mystique. Like <laughs> their thing has always been crash and burn, get close baby. and yeah. then crash and burn. And that's what makes English soccer fans so great is that they always have this level of, well, you know, we're going to screw it up. Like that's, that's, I like that. I appreciate that. If they're suddenly the champions, I'm going to have to see everybody get sentimental and do the thing you do when you win something. And I'm not prepared for English soccer fans to be that. I want them to be like cold and angry and just gray and miserable. That's, I don't know why I want that, but I do. You know how when you were a teenager, Bone, you were very angsty, right? I mean, everybody goes through through that yes. stage in their life. I'm kind of that way right now with England because everybody that I have talked to 
Uh, you know, my neighbor, Eric, obviously big soccer fan, had the watch party a couple of weeks ago at his house. That was amazing. Uh, everybody, like every one of his friends say the same exact thing of you. Like, I'm over. It's coming home. I'm over England, yada, 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 whatever. I mean, so I think I'm in the angsty stage where everybody is over it. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go the other way on it. Like, I, I don't I don't care. It doesn't matter. It, it Also, too, to this point, they made the semifinals back in 18, correct? The World Cup. So yeah. they got knocked out of that tournament. Since then, since they got to the semifinals, it was coming home no matter what in this Euros. Like, it was a drawn-up path. They didn't know the entire time was going to be played at Wembley. They had one game away. Okay, that's no big deal. It doesn't matter if they crash and burn against Italy. If they lose that, you look ahead to the next World Cup cycle, it's still going to be coming home. So in my viewpoint, it doesn't even matter if they win or lose this final coming up this weekend because they already know, well, fine, we've got the World Cup in 18 months to worry about. It's going to be coming home then if we don't get past Italy. So already, I feel like they have broken that, and no matter which tournament they get to with the amount of players on their side, it's it's already coming home for them. So it doesn't yeah. matter, yeah. win or lose, whatever happens on Sunday, they're already going to be feeling good. Now, the immediate ramifications, they will not be feeling good if they do lose to Italy, of course, on Sunday. But you kind of catch my drift. They've been doing this now for three years and change. And so I already feel like, well, it's not going to go away anytime soon. So I may, I may as well just lean into the fastball. Yeah. See, I, I wonder this for England coming into this matchup now with Italy. Um, are they going to be a team that sees the opportunity and say, all right, it's right here. We've been waiting for this moment. We're going to crush whoever's in front of us. Is And I'm sure that's like the goal to have that mentality, but you can talk like I think sports psychology is so interesting because you can't really control what you oh, do. It's fascinating. Like like some guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, you know, Tom Brady, they talk about what they do. But for some reason, when 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 push comes to shove, their brains kick into gear and more often than not, they get it done. Or you can talk about Tiger Woods, right? You're the lone person yes. out there on the golf yes. course. You are controlling what is happening with a golf ball with your swing. Yes. When you're talking about soccer. One of the reasons I love this game so much is because, number one, there's 11 people on the field on each side that, that you know, you have that in football too, right? But then on top of that, it's a matter of a mere inch. Yeah. That phrase, oh, he switched off for a second, like, that, that, that's it, man. You go 90 minutes, sometimes 120 minutes in these games, these big, epic quarterfinal, semifinal, final games, and... It takes one moment mm -hmm. where you kind of just barely weren't at a world-class level. <laughs> look at and that could be at, I mean, look at Italy's defending. I mean, yeah, just a couple right. of days ago, right? I mean, right. Murata gets in, beautiful one-two pass, boom, there you go. Lead vanished, 83rd minute. Yeah, of course. And that's that's it, right? I mean, and Italy's been nails like forever on defensively. I mean, they've just been so good this tournament. And then suddenly that goal and you're you're back into a struggle and you have to go to penalty kicks ultimately, but so that's where my question is, will England, I know, want to be that team that seizes this opportunity and takes control of the moment and comes out and finds that that way. But will there be the other side of it where you look at how the game went, you look at everything that happened in it, and now I've seen all these things that say, oh, England has exercised the demons. They are here. They are back. This is well, this they, is the biggest thing. Like, I guess. Is <laughs> that know, right? It's, like, it's most of the way done. You still right. got a ninety-minute final, perhaps a one twenty-minute final, and penalties to to well, navigate like we said, on though, Sunday. It's been since '66. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys' parents may not have been alive mm -hmm. 
the last time this happened, let alone the players. So, I mean, that, that's what I think. Is there, a, is there a moment of that where it's like, we've done it, we've gotten to the final, even though, yes, in this tournament, it laid out beautifully for them to do so. I, like, can you have that same edge? It, that's what it comes down to to me, the, that mentality thing, because we know the class is there for both of these sides. We, we know that they match up pretty well, too. I am looking forward to watching this England attack go up against what Italy tries to do defensively, tactically to slow them down. But it just takes a moment. And which team is going to stay completely engaged for the entirety? And of course, there's random bounces and everything else. I mean, it's, it's a, this is why I love this game, Beamer. I know some people hate it for the fact that one little moment can change the whole thing, but that's what we live for. That's why, that's, that's why I appreciate a great goal is because when you get it, it's just stunning. And that is why, to lead into our next point, it is utter garbage that a referee can make a call uh, like was made uh-huh. in that game. Oh, my God. I cannot believe. Sorry, England fans. Oh, they know. I don't know why I'm apologizing. Yeah, they don't you. care. Well, here's, here's the thing. Here's the Doesn't delineation matter. bone. They don't care. I mean, they can. you can talk about it. We can talk about it all we want. Soccer pundits from across the world can talk about it. They, at the end of the day, do not care. They got the call. They're moving on to the final. And all of a sudden, there you go. Denmark's out of the tournament. Like, they, it just yeah. it doesn't matter to them. Yeah. That, that to me, the referee in the game was Mark Clattenburg. Or, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't Mark Clattenburg. He was just one of the... Been doing a good job on the, on the broadcast, by the way, Mark yeah, Clattenburg. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy he's, his commentary. He's been good. Yeah, but I, I just... Th- this is something that's, to me, a bit frustrating. When you watch a game like that, you see how close it was. And don't get me wrong. England certainly was deserving of a goal mm-hmm. they were they were just tearing apart what Denmark was doing especially down the stretch there it, it you could see how Denmark just looked gassed and and England started to really assert oh, they were themselves. playing for penalties as as many teams do when they get into of these course, situations yeah well and who can blame Denmark right look at what they've been through this tournament look at how close they are to a final and they're saying if we can just get the penalties who the hell knows right but that Raheem Sterling penalty was I mean I think everybody's getting mad about that. If could you imagine if it was called the other way? I know that that's also a futile exercise that we engage in in sports, but could you imagine the soccer punditry if England was <laughs> out of this tournament because a penalty went the other way? Like Denmark player did that, that? penalty I, at the same moment of the game, same moment of the game in England, right? Like, I mean, this at Wembley, like, could you imagine that place would have not survived? I think it would have been torn down, literally like, burned to the ground. So. That's that's we know this happens. I can't believe in the age of VAR and everything else. There wasn't a way to look at that and say, no, not a penalty. Whoops, a daisy got that wrong. And besides, it was I mean, what were we like three minutes from having it decided anyway? Uh, I mean, it was, yeah, I think it was what, it was late in the game, right? Yeah, it was. Or, I think the hundred and fifth minute, maybe. Oh, no, no, no. OK, it was a little earlier than I'm sorry. I was watching it during our our broadcast here. So I, I looked up and saw a hundred and something and thought, oh, gosh, this is bad. But still. In extra time, this is what you get. I just, I'll have to say this about it, right? And we can discuss this until the end of the world. It should not have been called a penalty, right? Shouldn't have been. Uh, I think that everybody is, for the most part, in agreement on that. I don't know how, with VAR, you can't go back and overturn it. I heard everybody say, like, oh, there's not enough there to overturn it, yada, 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 whatever. There wasn't anything there. That's that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, how 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 can you look at that and say, that is for sure a penalty, and not immediately go back to it. What I will say, and why a lot of people get upset at the sport of soccer, I feel like, is that players will do anything to win a game. 
And I think that was pretty apparent for the Italian goal. I don't remember if it was against Spain. I don't remember if it was against Belgium. Uh, it may have been Chiro Immobile went down in the box and then Italy scores like literally three seconds later and he gets up and he runs and he, you know, does whatever and he's celebrating, you know, their goal. Soccer players will do anything to get an edge and to win. And so when you are taught the game at the level that they are, Raheem Sterling, who is one of the fastest players in the planet, one of the most shifty players in the planet, he gets knocked over just one bit bone. He feels any bit of contact. He's going down. Then immediately you take the pressure off of yourself and you put the judgment in front of a referee who is sitting in the capital of England, who has not been in a cup final since 1966. You put the pressure on him. I think it's brilliant by Raheem Sterling to go down there. You can argue, like I said, to the end of the earth, if that's a penalty or not, it's a brilliant play. He's not scoring from that position. He knows that he has lost the ball. Was he touched? Sure. I think there can be an argument made uh, that he was knocked over a little bit, nothing to give a penalty. But what you do is you take the power out of your hands and you put it onto someone in front of 50,000 fans at Wembley and an entire nation watching behind you in a critical moment of the game. I think it's a brilliant play by Raheem Sterling. It may not be a popular opinion, oh, no. but I think it's a brilliant play. Well, both things can be true, right? Like you, you, I, I am personally of the opinion, and I have said this. Uh, I was saying this. We'll talk more about the crew game in a little bit um, from last week and and the one coming up here. But you know, I was saying after the game on Saturday that because the crew were taking every chance to try to draw a foul. Yeah. At the end of that game, it's two to two. They had gotten out of the game. They came back. And I was saying, because there I saw some crew fans that are like, oh, get up on, get on with it. We're going to play better than that. We're gonna, you know, tough it out. You know, don't don't try to just get a cheap penalty. And it's like, I don't know if you guys are aware, but especially in MLS, nine times out of 10, the, and pardon my French, the shithouse team is mm-hmm. going to get the chances more often than the team that's like, no, we just hop right up whenever it was a minor foul. You know, we only go down for the real fouls like that. That doesn't work often. That the referee in that game was having none of it, but I think it's fair play to try. And I I think it's the same thing for England here. Yeah. You're you're trying to win everything. You're you're trying to win Euro 2020, but it goes also back to the uh do you remember like that PSA a few years ago uh where it was a TV commercial and it's I think it's about sportsmanship, right? And it's like a high school team or JV game yes. or something like that. Yes. And the kid catches yes. the basketball and he goes up and he makes the shot and he was like coach I was out of bounds when I made the shot and he's got like his teammates yelling at him like no no no, man we made the shot we won the game he goes up to the ref he's like hey man I was out of bounds sportsmanship this is how the game is supposed to be played uh-huh. when yeah. you get at this level who cares I it was just it re- like literally flashed me back to that commercial being like hey man Raheem Sterling went down you put the pressure on the referee he gave the penalty what am I supposed to do about it if yeah. Denmark was given the same situation 1,000 times out of 1,000, that player's doing the same exact thing. I look at it this way, man. And, and this is very different than, like, football guy in America. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. But oh, it's a whole fo- different mindset. Football guy in America wants to show you how tough he is. Soccer guy says, we need to win the game. And I don't care how. And what's interesting is both are viewed as, man, that guy will do anything for his team. You know? The guy who will tough it out, you know, and never show that there's pain and you know, it's like, is your arm bent three different ways? It's like, I don't think so. I think I'm fine. I can mm-hmm. go back out there. It's like the, people look at that and go, that guy will go out there and kill himself to play football for his team. And the guy who's out there, like Pedro Santos for the crew, every sure. time he gets touched, he's going down and he and he gives it all. He, <laughs> he gives you a performance. Maybe he goes a bit overboard sometimes, but why is he doing that? 
Because he's a giant baby and he just doesn't like playing soccer and he doesn't want any contact and ouchie, ooh, it hurts. No, he's doing that because he's trying to win a game for his team. And yeah. this is a way that it 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 works. It's rewarded. You cannot blame people for engaging in the reward system that has been put in front of them, right? So if you reward players who do that, and I know they put yellow cards in for diving and all that stuff, but Raheem Sterling wasn't getting anything for that. And in the, as a matter of fact, at most 99 times out of 100, that one is looked at as, yeah, there was something there, but it wasn't enough. Get it was back in the box up. in a semifinal. We're not calling that. Yeah, right. It was it was too light of contact. You're a professional. This is high-level soccer. You got to be up over that. That's why I was shocked it got called was just because. That penalty is not called on a Tuesday night in Stoke, Boom. <laughs> in the rain. In the yes. rain. Can you do it in Stoke on <laughs> Tuesday night in the rain? I don't know. Yes. But that can pe- you, that can is- you do it in Austin in July in the heat? That's the other question. That's That's like America's version of that is, can you play soccer in Texas in July? It's that's, a shocking call. I mean, it was yeah, it's sh- terrible. Stunning. Just stunning. And they almost had it too. I mean, Schmeichel saved, saved that's, Harry okay. Kane's penalty. So that's the next part of it too, right? <laughs> that's the next part of it's coming home that is getting annoying where it's like, ah, here we are. Yeah, it doesn't matter how. And it's like, no, there's no points awarded for style in this. But good God, the ball does the, the ball almost didn't lie, but apparently it does because he makes the save with, by the way, did you see this this morning? With a laser pointer in his yeah. face, because that came up, and now and England's being fined for that. Oh, so, they care. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, they don't care. Yeah, great. Okay. I mean, obviously, they have nothing to do with it. You shouldn't punish the guys on the field for some idiot fan in the stands doing that. But. They should replay the penalty. <laughs> and if England, if Harry Kane makes it, England go on to the finals. If he misses Denmark, gets to win. Could you imagine just... Wake and Schmeichel up and be like, all right, come over. All right, here. man, you get another you get another chance. But it's just it's not at Wembley, it's just like at a random field sure. in the middle of like just some school or something. Right They're in the, like, Mickey, oh, we got right right in the middle of Piccadilly Circus. And then it's not it's not on tape. And then they just come back saying, actually, we did this again and Schmeichel saved it and uh Denmark are through. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, that would be amazing. We gotta we gotta bring this back. So yeah, that that's uh I, I just couldn't believe how that sequence went where it wasn't really a foul. The penalty was missed, but then it just bounced perfectly for Kane to tap it in after, you know, I, I know you have to make the entire save and sure. do the whole thing, but the hard work is getting down and blocking the shot that's coming from a world-class striker from, you know, six yards away, and then you do that, and then it just falls right to him, and nothing that Schmeichel could do, and so unfortunate for them. So, yeah, England fans, you'll have your moment. Don't mind me belly aching for Denmark. Uh, you know. I just wanted to see the team that's been through the most adversity I've ever seen a soccer team go through mm-hmm. in like the last 20 years. All for them to have, to, all for them to yeah. be yelled at by 50,000 people. It's coming home. <laughs> With a laser pointer in their face. <laughs> like, yeah, suck on that, Denmark. It's like, all right, well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. what Can the Danes calm ever down do to just, you? A, just a little bit. I get it, though. It's not about that. It was about, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're England. You want to win. You want to get there. Every team wants to do that. So, yeah, all good. And they deserve to be there. But that, that's the thing. They it was it was not against the run of play. It just that was not a penalty. That doesn't justify a bad call just because England was dominating the last part right. of that game. So I think we can all agree to that. Um the other side of it, you have Italy taking on Spain, and that is that is something else, man, what Italy's been able to do in this tournament. Um I saw that Leonardo Bonucci had this to say after the game. About Spain, he said, quote, we've never played a team this good mm. who made us suffer so much. They dominated us. They did. 
Uh, they're an exceptional team with a superb manager. So it's just that game was incredible how Italy was able to figure out a way, despite Spain being as good as they are, to just still find a way to get through in this thing. It was a pretty incredible performance. It's pretty wild when you look at it, the fact that Spain had played you know, three extra time games in a row. They looked like the team that had the much fresher legs than Italy. I mean, did they not? During that yes. entire 30-minute period of extra time, I mean, Italy maybe had one chance on a breakaway, uh, you know, a nice little counterattack. But other than that, I mean, Spain controlled the game bone for the last, the better part of the last 40 minutes from the Murata goal all the way through extra time. They looked like the team uh, that was going to win it. But like you mentioned, they found a way. They dug deepest when they needed it the most. They look like the team that said, you know what, we're gassed. We need to get this thing to penalties. They accomplished their goal knowing that Spain has the incredible uh, struggle with penalties uh, in their mm -hmm. recent history. Yep. And they got it to their man. And I just have to say, it was such a quick circle of life for Alvaro Morata, was it not? Yeah. Like, yeah. you score the goal. And it was, it's horrible that his family is being threatened for, you know, of course, I mean, that's, yes. that's terrible, that's every, but yes, you know, you, you go from that high when you're Spain to scoring a goal and, you know, looking like you're the team in control, uh, he fails to put one on target in extra time. Then he steps up with a massive penalty on the line uh, and he misses it and it gets saved. Like it was such a quick circle of like, all right, this is going to be great. You're on the up and up, like, bam, all of a sudden now you're, you know, back to uh, our national scapegoat. And, you know, it's so unfair uh, to a single player, like you mentioned, you know, earlier on in the show, it's it's an 11 man game. Bounces happen in funny ways. But again, credit to Italy. It just Spain were the better team in that game. I mean, it was not even close. And Olmo, Danny Olmo for Spain is going to be a nightmare for the next, I don't know, thousand years. It seems Pedri is yeah. unbelievable. Uh, so this is a team looking forward that I think are going to be really, really, um, I mean, troubling for any other team in the world. Uh, to try to take down, but credit Roberto Mancini, man, getting the best out of his players. Likely the last time that Chiellini has a go round in a national tournament. We'll see if he's on the squad uh, here in about, you know, 16 months time for the world cup that's happening in Qatar. But I mean, when it gets to penalties, we all know that anything can happen. And it was just unbelievable, unbelievable drama bone. To me, it was the best game of the entire Euro so far. Yeah, it was, it was no, unbelievably played. It was wonderful, and it's it's one of those games that, I mean, if you if you don't follow the tactics or if that's not really the part of the game you enjoy, there still was plenty in this for you. But seeing a team like Italy, which their old identity was this bruising, defending, yeah. this is what Italy does, and instead this team was more of a modern suffocation by possession team that doesn't really play back and doesn't sit back and counter you to death. They just they but they played that game against Spain mm -hmm. because Spain has trouble with that and for 80 minutes that was right i mean they were absorbing that pressure wonderfully and doing the thing you're supposed to do and let Spain figure out ways to not find the goal then they they eventually broke through and suddenly you think uh oh italy screwed this up yeah but they found a way to just continue to do their plan and i i admire whenever i watch a team and this is again we've talked about this before the thing that separates the highest levels of soccer and we're talking very minimal separation but the teams that can change their approach midway through a game or before a big game and say i know this is what we usually do but we're not doing that today we're doing this and execute that plan yeah spain did have a lot of the play but that was a little bit by design italy was letting them kind of do that to some degree 
not not maybe to the degree they ended up doing it, but that was their initial goal. And ultimately, that plan through a lot of ups and downs, that plan actually worked. So I give credit to Italy for playing a different style when it called for it. That's why I'm very interested to see how they will come back and play against England now because yeah because both managers have shown shown to you that they can they can unleash different styles all the way through this tournament yes and that's and that to me is what makes the highest levels of soccer uh enjoyable so yeah I I love the tactics I love watching all that and the way those games played out were just both just stunning and gave you everything you want as far as a fan uh maybe you want to see you know justice done by a referee but whatever we'll We'll stop harping on that. We'll let we'll let England have their moment, and we'll see what happens Sunday, three p.m. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be a blast. You got a and, feeling? Uh, got a got a feeling either way? It's it's really hard to deny England at home bringing it home, right? I mean that that feels good. But I'll just say this: I think Italy of the two teams, England strikes me as the team that feels like we. I don't want to say deserve to be here more, but like like I said earlier, to start the show, I feel like England's mentality is going to be, we've done this big thing, yep. now it's ours to win. And I think Italy's looking at this as, no one believes in us, no one thinks it's us, which is not true, but I could see Italy adopting that mentality easier, and I could see Italy coming out and stealing this thing. So I'm going to say Italy gets it done, um, but it's going to be a great game, I feel like, no matter what. I say it's coming home, Bone. Yeah, I know. It's I coming home. Would. Italy wins two to one, and they go into the World Cup as favorites, and England goes crashing home. And the it's coming home thing, it's going to stay. But I'm picking Italy of to win this is. game. I'm picking Italy to win this game as well. It's, uh, it's, I, it's I, I don't know how they're I don't know how they're going to respond. They're going to be saying it's coming home until Harry Kane is in a home. Yes. Like it's going to. I mean, they're going to be saying that forever. It's fine. So enjoy it. And and I the the good news is this: it will be. Whatever we're what we're going to get on Sunday at like six o'clock somewhere, they're going they're going to show highlights of either some some towns in Italy or some towns in England, <laughs> and the, the streets will be full of people going absolutely bonkers, and I will enjoy watching that, and we will live vicariously through them. And so, whatever team wins that, I hope that the fans truly get everything out of it they want because this is such a massive deal and it'll be a lot of fun to watch yeah i agree man i'm very very excited about it uh but yeah i think i think italy's the better team i don't know if england can hold up to it obviously they have the home crowd in front of them but yeah man i think italy's too strong of a team i think they've been been through too much and i don't know how they match up uh against italy uh in that midfield so i'm going i'm going italy i'm going with the italians i think they they steal it from the brits and they'll have another 18 months to think about how the world cup's going to be coming home yeah i think you're right I think I'm going to go buy some Peronis just mm. to uh, have some Italian beer on hand, just because... Uh, Maybe some Aperol? That sounds fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. Yeah, we'll be good. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Take a break. When we come back, we'll talk new crew stadium and the upcoming Hell is Real match. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So Lower.com Field got its opening curtain call, mm-hmm. uh, raised, lifted the lid, whatever you want to say, all the cliches. Uh, the LDC, the dot, opened up with a 2-2 draw for the crew against New England. First off, Beamer, what, what do you think of the nicknames here? I've heard the LDC. You down with I've LDC? Yeah, you know me. I enjoy that one. I See, I'm with you. LDC sounds way better. 
Um, there's a little, I think some maybe old school Columbus people are a little afraid it's going to be confused with the LC, but whatever, it's fine. The LDC is is good for me. And uh, the dot, though, is not a terrible name either. I like the dot, too, but I, I prefer the yeah. LDC. I can just see if you say I went to the LDC, people will get that better than if you're like, I went to the dot. It just sounds like, is that I is like that to a just bar? call it the Death Star. Like, I went down to the Death Star the other day. I think that's a better nickname than any other any of the other ones. You know, I will tell you. So that's something that I found walking into that place and getting to be in it now a couple different times. It really is striking just how menacing that place looks in the daytime yeah you know when the sun's out and there's lights i'm really interested to see what that thing is going to be like on a cold wednesday night <laughs> in columbus like in a rainy dark it's 40 degrees the frankie hated game he loved playing in games like that I'd, I'd i'd really be curious i can't wait to find out what it looks like when it gets to that point it's such an imposing building like just driving it by is. it you know, getting right next to it. You look at it and you're like, oh, this means business. Like this place isn't here to mess around. Yeah. So let me give you a little bit of a, a full yeah, idea of, of how it went going in. So number one, I mean, some people are not happy about this. It's the reality. I think it's great, actually, because it gives a little bit more edge coming in. But you don't park right next to it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you do have to walk a little bit. There's plenty of parking around. We found a garage got in pretty easily. There was a little snafu at first with the line because i think you know first game they're trying to figure all that out but we got parked fairly easily and then i think it was like a 10 minute walk to the stadium not bad right so Did you park by nationwide up there a bunch of parking yeah, garages yeah that's where we parked and so there are options like across i need to do this um at what is that the boathouse on the other side you know uh, where yeah. confluence park yeah so there is a thing they're advertising on the station called hooligate that is put on by a couple of old school Hudson Street hooligan guys who now run some bars in town. They're doing a tailgate there and it costs like 40 bucks to park, but you get free drinks when you park. Great. And then you can actually go up and buy more drinks. They've got Hudson Street hooligan merch like I did not know about this. I would have done that for the first game, but I will be doing that at some point because that you can walk the other way across the pedestrian bridge over the river and get right there. So that's a pretty nice deal. But either way. Uh, there were there was a big march to the stadium. Mm -hmm. They shut down nationwide after a certain point past Huntington Park, and the street was full of crew fans, like awesome. the whole street. Yeah. And dude, there is just something that I was not prepared for. I was prepared for walking into the place. I was prepared for the noise. Walking through uh like a kind of brick area with a bunch of buildings and trees, and then Betty's Bar is over there. There's railroad tracks you go under, and elite, suddenly you're at the stadium. Elite bar, by the way, Betty's. One of my oh, favorite yeah. places in oh, Columbus. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's great. But that is a really nice feel. Like, you feel like you're kind of in some European city walking to some European game. Like, it, I'm not saying that's the be-all, end-all. America needs to have their own soccer culture, of course. But if you're someone who has said, oh, I wish I could go to England and watch a soccer game, I don't know that this is going to feel exactly like that, but... It's it's at least off-brand version of that. Um, I have some friends who are either English or have been to England for soccer games, and they said this rivaled that experience for them. You know, it's not gonna, it's not the same as going to Anfield, right? It's it's there's a little bit different ambiance at Old sure. Trafford because the history, but as far as the the experience of walking through an urban area and then showing up and you're at a giant stadium, it, it had something. It was really fun. And so I'm I'm looking forward to figuring that out week after week and getting a routine. But 
The noise level in there was great. The Nordeca looked sexy as hell. They were just going crazy. It looked, by the way, uh, so, you know, my my neighbor, Eric, went to the game and everything and drew the entire day around it. And because yeah. I asked them, because I was literally searching high and low for tickets on Saturday, Bone. And I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> striking out literally at every turn. And it, you know, makes sense. So I watched the game on TV and I talked to them when they got back. And I'm like, you know, how did it, you know, how did it feel? How did it sound? You know, everything. And they were giving me the whole rundown. And they were obviously very excited uh, when they returned home. But on TV, it sounded stunning. It looked stunning. The aerial view that they did of the stadium was very, very cool. Uh, and so, you know, you have the perspective of actually being there, and I'm going to have to get to a game uh, sooner rather than later. But on TV, Bone, it it sounded and looked as about as good as you're describing it as in person. It was it was pretty daunting. Yeah, it, dude, it was. I was wondering what it would sound like on TV. Um, and I was super emotional that game, obviously, because, you know, my kids are there. Like, this was the whole thing. This was two and a half, three years yeah. ago, whatever it's been now, yeah. where... When that news came down, Dave Biddle was on the air with me. We talked about this mm-hmm. uh, la- during this past week where he was on with me. How, I mean, I, I lost it on the air. I cried on the air when this happened. I, I had to like move away from the microphone and collect myself because I was pretty emotional when they were going to move the team because that was the first thing that really hit me was, oh man, I won't be able to take my kids to any of these games. And so getting to like walk through the gates with my kids or at least two of them, youngest one didn't come because she wouldn't know or care, but... <laughs> That was, <laughs> it was, well, and you left Theo at home. That's just what you do. You that's, leave your, yeah, your dog child at home, yep. right? Yeah. We'll you put your baby in the cage. I put him in the crate. It's all fine. You leave him for a few <laughs> hours. Hopefully you don't pee, them, pee themselves and then you come right. back to them. They're fine. Very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was pretty great, but I'll tell you when the emotions really hit me. So the new thing they're doing is, uh, they're doing wise men, the, you know, only fools rush in song. They play that at the start of the game like you've seen many other teams do with their club anthem or song. And so before they come out of the tunnel, as they're gathering in the tunnel, that song comes out over the speakers and the entire place sang it. That's awesome. And that was where I was like, oh my gosh, this is the entire stadium. This is not just the Nordeca. This is everyone around me is belting it out. People are already grabbing their each other and swaying back and forth. And I'm like, we're, we haven't even started playing yeah. and we're unified. We're loud. I know it was the very first game, but if they can get that energy 80, 90% at most of the rest of these games, it's going to be a hell of an advantage. Like it just, it, it's great that they're doing that before the game. And then of course the anthem sung by the fans, that was awesome too. And uh, yeah, the first 13 minutes were great until uh, they scored a goal. And then, <laughs> then everybody kind of lost their steam for a few moments and then they, and then you pick yourself. One, and then, like, then I was gonna say, then you pick yourself up, yourself up off the canvas, and then you get knocked back down, and you're uh, looking at a two nil deficit. But I'll, uh, yes, and it. <laughs> I will tell you this though, I was, I wasn't glad that happened. I wanted the crew to score the first goal. I didn't want them to allow a goal. But now all that's been out of the way. Yeah. And then they, they, all right, who's gonna score the first goal? Well, someone else did, not a crew player. Oh no, they're already down. But then the crew fought back mm-hmm. and found a way. As they do, and that's the one thing that we have seen this far from this team, they fight back as good as anyone that I've seen recently in the black and gold uniform. So I don't know what it's going to mean in the playoffs, but I cannot count this team out at any point until it's officially 90 minutes, you know, and and stoppage time is over. No, they damn near had about four goals in the last two minutes of the game, too. Right. They were they were flying oh at the God, end. Man. They were pushing. They were doing everything they could to get that third goal. One, the, what was the one sequence off the post? 
uh, comes back right to the goalie and then cleared by a, a defender on the goal line. Like it was yes. all in like a 10 second, 10 second stretch there. I'm literally screaming at the TV wanting oh. it to go in so they could get a three, two win. I mean, it was yeah. uh, the heart that they showed bone. I mean, go down, call it two nil. Your team has obviously got some injury issues, which I know that we'll get to. Um, but to have that heart to open up the new stadium, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty amazing. You got the, you got the reserve. Maybe, maybe it didn't get the result you deserved with a win, but Hey man, you fought like hell and you opened it up with a two, two draw. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. Uh, and you know what? That one though, that was really an embodiment of what I think this current team yeah. is. They are, they are not at full strength and they are not right now playing like a good team. Um, they're not scoring goals the way you typically need to, but I'll tell you, if you told me they were going to go down two nothing to New England, I would have said, "Well, game over." That's a, that's a loss because yeah. they're just they just haven't had the firepower. And the own goal was great, but even that one, yes, it was a fortunate bounce. But Jossie having the awareness to just run into everybody and do the right amount of fouling without getting a foul called on him, <laughs> it was smart. Like I'm looking at it going, just like as everybody's collapsing on the ball, I'm like, Jossie, just run into him. Like I'm yelling it, and then he does it and. No foul. He gets up, looks around, is like, oh, call it. All right. And you could see, of course, New England's defenders and oh, goalkeeper. They're pissing and pissed moaning. off. Yeah. As they should be. They I would be mad about it too. But hey, they got it. They figured out a way. So now we come to hell is real. Mm-hmm. Um which, big week. Big week for the team. Big couple <sighs> big of weeks, week. actually. Yeah, well, that was it, right? We talked about they had the closing game, they had the Austin game, they have this opener. Now they've got a rivalry game. Then, then it just is like, then you just play good teams yeah. all through then August. It's, then it's just the season. Now we're into the season. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look now, but Seattle, by the way, I think they've won like 13 straight games. They're coming later in August. Is that so. good? Oh, yeah. I had a Seattle fan just randomly tweeting at me like, we won 13 straight. What do you got to say to that? It's like nothing. Was I, was I looking to say something? Do you get a trophy for that? By the way, like maybe you get the supporter shield, but last I checked Seattle and Columbus did play meaningful game, December, look that one up, get back to me. Anyway, here's the deal. This team right now currently is missing 12 players off its roster. Mm-hmm. Jossie's, going, Jossie's artist is going to be at Gold Cup duty. Uh, Luis Diaz, if healthy enough, is going to be at Gold Cup duty, which he should be. I mean, he, he has been healthy, just got back. So he's gone. Derek Etienne is gone. You, you're just, And then you've got injuries, too. Milton Valenzuela just suffered another hamstring injury to a different injury than the one he had. Yeah. So... This is the walking wounded right now, plus Gold Cup season is here. So it's Bradley Wright Phillips is your striker if he's healthy. And then I don't I don't know after that. Like Well, I think Messi's re- getting ready to finish the goal or uh, you know, the uh, Oh, the Copa America. He's yeah. getting ready to finish Copa America. Let's just sign him, Bone. Get it, you know, bring him in. <laughs> sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Let's just have him come in and do that. Actually, I did see a few crew fans who were saying, What's Kai Kamara up to? Let's bring him back, which eh. Lord knows his history with this team has been up and down yes, to it say has. the least. To yes, say it. the least. I actually remember uh we were we were at a concert a few years ago and it was pretty amazing at the time because the crew were going through the whole save the crew movement and pre-court was trying to move them away and Kai Kamar was on the team uh when all that was happening or uh, I don't remember exactly the timetable. Uh but some band came in and I think we were seeing them uh, I don't know what's the place next to uh the old LC Pavilion Bone. They've got the two. The, oh, like um, is it the basement? Yeah, it's no. the basement, and then the other one. Stage. I don't. Uh, I, yeah, it used whatever. to be called A and R Bar or something. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't so know we what were it's at the A and R Bar, and we were watching watching the show, and having a good time. And so this band, I think, was from from Detroit, and they were just like jabbing, you know, Columbus fans the entire time. Like we paid tickets to come and see you, man. You're the headliners of this show, 
and he was like going on a rant. He's like, oh, you know, Columbus, all they care about is football. Bet you couldn't even name, you know, you guys have a soccer team. Bet you couldn't even name the leading scorer. Bone, I, I shit you not. The entire, I don't know if it was the entire bar, but literally 70 plus percent of the fans there screamed out Kai Kamara to the guy. <laughs> and it was amazing. Like it was, yeah. it was fantastic. So, uh, you know, good experiences with Kai. And then, uh, when the whole save the crew thing was happening, obviously, uh, when it got a little bit bumpy for him here in the uh, city of Columbus, yeah. uh, yeah, just a skosh. Um, uh, but no, it's, you're right, man. This team has some major injury concerns. They're losing players to international duty. And then if you look at it from a realistic standpoint, like, I don't know what to expect tomorrow night. You know, I know soccer podcast day is here on a Thursday. I don't know what to expect tomorrow night against FC Cincinnati. I really don't. No clue. Um, They got a new stadium. They're going to be all juiced up about it, but I have no idea what to expect out of this team because uh, frankly, I don't know if all 11 of these dudes who are going to be on the field tomorrow have ever played a game together. Yeah. I, well, here's, I got to here's, here's the lineup I came up with. Um, Evan Bush is playing goalkeeper because don't forget Aloy Room is also gone for international duty. You got Harrison Awful, Vito I think is healthy. Him or Abubakar Keita can jump in in one of those uh, you know center back spots. Jonathan Mensel will be there for the other one. Waylon Francis that's not a terrible back line. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Um, then you get to defensive midfield. Darlington Nagby thankfully is still here. Um, and then it's probably Perry Kitchen. Um, you say that with such confidence and uh, yeah, maybe. Well, the other thing is I saw a lineup that was that, um, or a depth chart that massive report put out mm-hmm. and Marlon Hairston is listed at like four positions and Pedro Santos is listed at every, I think he's also the backup <laughs> goalkeeper. Like he's, he's at left back. He could play all the wing positions. They might play him at four. Like we, we build the whole team out of Pedro Santos's, I guess, because He's, you know, going to be able to be plugged in and played wherever. But then, yeah, it's going to be Zellerion, Pedro Santos, Alexander Matan, Bradley Wright Phillips up top if he's healthy. Um, if not, it's uh, I think it's Andrew Barry or I, I, not Andrew Barry. Yes, the, the man general manager of the Cleveland Browns. There yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Something Austin Barry. I forget his name. Who cares? The point is, yeah, they they are they're going to be uh, struggling at that position for a team that has not had a good time scoring goals. So. We'll see how this one Maybe goes. Maybe this I w- just ignites him, Bone. I, I have no clue. I'd love to I see that. I have no clue what's going to happen. I'll tell you this. I was on, and you can go check these guys out. They're on Apple Podcasts, just like this podcast. Shout out to You Ain't Lying. This is the FC Cincinnati podcast. I was on there with a, a bunch of guys uh, this past week. They put out an episode on Wednesday. So go check them out if you want to hear more thoughts on this. We kind of went in-depth on that game. Um, I said on that podcast, I'm looking for like a 1-1 draw. I'll take it. You know, they're playing at their new stadium. Their fans are going to be out of their minds for this game. They have actually Cincinnati. If you've not been paying attention, they've got seven points out of their last three games. They have taken points in four of the last six for FC Cincinnati. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. So they're feeling all right right now. They think this is their chance to get one back in this rivalry. Finally in MLS and get one against the crew. I don't think it is. I don't think it should be. But if they can put two goals on the board, I'm going to struggle to see how the crew are going to be able to score two goals. So I'm thinking the crew are good for one, maybe at best. But I'm, I'm, I, if they get out of there with a one-one or a zero-zero, I'll take it. I just, I don't even know. I told you, I don't know even how to comprehend this team sheet that Caleb Porter is going to have. Uh, you know, I. Yeah. You've been through so many big games here already. I mean, you've been through such a whirlwind, like you had, like you mentioned, 
closing down the old stadium, going down to Austin, opening up the new stadium, and now immediately following that, injury concerns, losing players to international duty, uh, and now having to travel down to Cincinnati for the Hell is Real Derby. How much How much does this team honestly have left in the tank? I think that's that's the key, and you're correct in that assessment. I still think w- this team bone, like we mentioned against the Revs this past weekend, this team shows it has heart, and I think you know I, I, they're going to do everything in their power to not lose this game. And as a crew fan, I think you would be thrilled with a draw. And I know that, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Nordeca, they've put out like their entire like tailgate schedule and they've got everything. So like the crew conglomerate will also be very strong down in Cincinnati. Yes. I'm yes. excited to see what the difference between the new stadium and Nipper, how that, how that looks and how Cincinnati has gotten engaged with the new stadium as well. I'm, yeah. I'm thrilled they, to kind of see that dynamic because the last year when you went down or a couple of years ago, cause last year yeah. was COVID and that's kind of a yeah. blur. Uh, but a couple of years when you went down, I mean, you know, is this a fire drill was one of the, I thought one of the great <laughs> moments in, in crew history, like where ML or, you know, FC Cincinnati fans are like these crew fans they are kind of mean. It's like, yeah, welcome to the yeah. big leagues, pal. So yeah, this I'm is, excited this to see how they, they kind of respond to this. Yeah, I, I am too. And I did find out from going on that podcast because their stadium sponsor is TQL. Total quality logistics, I think. Okay, sure. They're they're calling their new stadium, at least on that podcast. They've been ca- looking for a nickname too, and they decided to call theirs the Tickle, mm. which, I, you know what? All right. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to. be a big fan of Moonshiners on Discovery Channel. <laughs> If I, you didn't think you what were going to get that reference. poll today, did you? What a reference and a great one at that. <laughs> Good old Tickle. Mm-hmm. That guy, he's he's doing things. I so. drink whatever he's making, though. It looks. I agree with you. Yeah, looks, looks pretty good. Looks pure to me. Mm-hmm. Um. So there you go. Cincinnati, Columbus, hell is real. That game is seven thirty on Friday night. Uh, the rest of the schedule coming up for the crew. They get a week to kind of regroup before they play New York City. Another tough game. On uh, that one is a home game too, so that's pretty good. You get another chance to go out and see the new stadium. They host Nashville the following Wednesday, July twenty first. And then Atlanta United on the road, New York City on the road, back home to host DC United August 4th. So hopefully the crew can, you know, get big, through the Gold month. Cup season. Get th- and you know what? I got I hate to say it. I'm kind of rooting for all the teams that have crew players on it other than the U.S. national team to get bounced instantly <laughs> in the Gold Cup so we can get some guys back as quickly as possible. But that's still going to be a few weeks away. All right, Beamer, that's it for us. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks again for listening to Bone of Beam United.